Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. In the past week, we've seen some pretty landmark decisions coming down from the United States Supreme Court. Decisions that really show that this is a constitutionally based Supreme Court, not an ideologically based Supreme Court, not a judicial activist court, not a court that is caring about the whims and concerns of the society and our culture. It is a court that understands what it says in Article 3 of the Constitution, that their primary role and mission is to interpret the law, not to make law and not anything else that would infringe upon the duties and responsibilities, the roles, the purview, and the jurisdictions of Article I, the legislative branch, Article II, the executive branch. The decisions that have been issued recently in the state of Maine where the Supreme Court ruled for school choice, And, of course, the left has gone into a maniacal rage over that, saying that this is a violation of separation of church and state. Separation of church and state is not mentioned in any of our founding documents, not in the Declaration of Independence, not in the Constitution, not in the Federalist Papers even. Separation of church and state was simply a letter, a concept in that letter that was written by Thomas Jefferson to the Danbury Baptist of Connecticut Convention that talked about here in the United States of America, we would not have a head of state that was also the head of church, what we had learned about King Henry VIII. Separation of church and state never meant that we would separate our Judeo-Christian faith heritage from who we are, and especially from individuals. That's why we have the First Amendment. The very first liberty that is there talks about the freedom of religion and the free exercise thereof. It says that the government, the state, will not create an established religion. But parents have the right to make the choice about what is best for their students. And so the Supreme Court decided that where there was not the public type of school that was available to the parents, the parents could take their money. Taxpayer money is their money. It's not the government's money. That's an important thing for the left to understand. And it can follow that child based upon the decision that the parent wants to make. Parental parental freedom. Educational freedom. And I will tell you, school choice is probably the Civil Rights Act issue of this generation. And so many of our young people that are relegated to failing public schools, especially in our inner cities, we need to have more school choice. As a matter of fact, Arizona just enacted landmark school choice legislation out there. Sadly, we can't get that passed here in Texas. Another one of the decisions tapering off on this whole thing about religious liberty and freedom was the Coach Kennedy case out there in the state of Washington, Kennedy versus Bremerton School District. 
Well, they fired the coach because he just simply took a knee by himself. Quiet prayer. Didn't ask anyone to join him. Didn't coerce anyone to join him. Didn't use any megaphone system of the high school football stadium. Just him. And they said that was a violation of separation of church and state. Supreme Court, once again, six to three, because we understand we've got those secular humanist progressive socialists that are sitting on the Supreme Court. They don't care about the Constitution. They just care about their ideology. But Coach Kennedy was proved in the correct. And that the Supreme Court said that his action did not violate any separation of church and state. As a matter of fact, his First Amendment right, his first liberty had been violated. That's what happens when you get people that are examining based upon the Constitution, doing the right research, looking at all of the previous statutes that are out there, but understanding what we were founded upon. And then, of course, it was the other decision that sent the left into an apoplectic rage, and that was about the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment is pretty simple language where it says a well-regulated militia. And we already talked about this before in a previous podcast. Well-regulated means well-trained. We are that militia. And it is necessary for the security of a free state. In other words, that is necessary for us to have security in our being. But when you look at what the left is doing, releasing all of these violent criminals back onto the street, these bail reform laws and things of this nature, you have countless amounts of repeat offenders to include juveniles. We just had an issue here in Texas where a 17-year-old who had about seven or eight previous crimes took off his ankle bracelet and still went out and tried to carjack some people in a parking lot down in Austin, Texas. But yet the left wants us to believe, and especially in the state of New York, because this is where this case came from, that your Second Amendment right, it stops at your door. You don't have any rights outside your door to defend and protect yourself. Does that mean that we don't have any First Amendment rights outside of our door? We don't have free speech outside our door? We don't have freedom of expression outside that that door? We don't have freedom of... uh, the right to peacefully assemble. We can gather together in our homes and we can get upset and we can protest in our homes. We don't have the right to petition our government for redress of grievances. We can sit there in front of our television screens. We can yell and scream all we want, but we don't have those rights outside. We don't have any second, fourth, fifth amendment rights outside the home because that's my concern about these red flag laws that undermine our individual constitutional rights. So the Supreme court six to three, once again, Said that New York got it right. You don't have to prove why you need to be able to defend yourself and keep and bear arms, which shall not be infringed, outside of your home. Heller versus D.C., McDonald versus City of Chicago established that with our homes. And now we know that we can carry outside our homes. And think about this. Maybe if those parents down in Uvalde had been armed, they could have gone in there and rescued their children instead of 74 minutes went by before anything was done in that school. Or maybe the people at the grocery store there in Buffalo could have defended themselves 
But then the state of New York said that they had to show a reason why they could have a Second Amendment right. See, what I'm trying to do is build a case in that the left does not believe in our constitutional rights. The left believes in our their ideological rights. And that comes to what we're going to talk about tonight, and that's this whole Roe v. Wade decision, the Dobbs case. There is no enumerated right in the Constitution that talks about someone has the ability to be able to murder an unborn child. As a matter of fact, our very first inalienable right endowed to us by our creator God, not man, is life. And that's what the pro-life movement is all about. And technology now has advanced. Medical technology is now advanced, so we understand what is going on in the womb of that mother a whole lot better. We understand the pain that is there. We understand that this is not about abortion. You abort a mission. We're talking about murdering an unborn child by some of the most barbaric and heinous means whatsoever. Vacuuming up a child like a piece of lint or dismembering a child in the womb piece by piece. And then, you know, harvesting those body pieces. That's not what a civilized society should be doing. Reminds me more so of what happened in Judges chapter 2 when the children of Israel forgot Joshua and all that had been done for them and bringing them into the promised land. And they fell down and worshiped the Baals. And one of the gods of the Baals was the god of child sacrifice, Moloch. That's where we are in the United States of America. And, of course, the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Same thing's going to happen to us. But thank God we have a constitutional-based Supreme Court that said that the, the, the federal government and the court itself, they can't make law. Roe v. Wade was never the law of the land. Laws come from a legislative branch. The, the court cannot make a right, the right to privacy. You have a right to privacy to murder an unborn child? No. And so... Rightfully so, this issue has been reverted back to the states. Because if you understand Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, 18 things, 18 things that the federal government is responsible for, their roles, their duties, jurisdictions, their purviews. The Tenth Amendment says all of those powers not delegated to the federal government are reserved to the states and to the people. So it's coming back to the people, coming back to the states. And here in Texas, we have a trigger law that says after 30 days, if Roe v. Wade was ever overturned, abortion would not be legal here in the state of Texas. And we see some states, Missouri, South Dakota, where that trigger law was immediate. But that just means that we have to look at the women and make sure that we're providing the right type of care. I love it how the left comes out and they manipulate language. We have to protect women's reproductive health. Well, I think we should. We should do better research for cervical cancers, uterine cancers, ovarian cancers, breast cancers, all of those things that are tied to reproductive health. But what we're talking about here is murdering an unborn child. Right to choose. Well, in Deuteronomy 30 and 19, and I know I'm speaking from the Bible, but you've got a lot of Christians out there that are confused. But in Deuteronomy 30 and 19, God says, I set before you life and death. Choose life so that you and your generation shall live. So I guess 
in that context, God was pro-choice and he said, choose life. I choose life. When I'm playing with my little 13-month-old grandson, Jackson, being in the pool or just running around in the backyard with him, it's unconscionable to me. Some of the things that the progressive socialist left wants to do to babies all the way up to the day before they're born, murdering them in the womb. That's infanticide. Or even California, Maryland have been looking at this thing about even after baby's born, just leaving it there and neglecting it. As a matter of fact, you remember the former governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam, said, we'll just put it over there and keep it comfortable. It. That's how they see children. Not as a gift, not as an everyday miracle, but just an it. An inanimate object that you can just snuff out by some of the most barbaric and heinous means. You know, I kind of wish that the left did not like the Taliban as much as they hate unborn children. Because maybe they would not have given Afghanistan back over to those barbarians and the things that they did that they will continue to do. Why does the left hate children so much? I I mean, that's really a valid question. They want to murder them in the womb by this heinous, barbaric means. Then when they're outside the womb, they think that, oh, we'll just put it over there and we'll just neglect it, neglect the child. That's murder. And let it die. Or, as you see now, we are sexualizing our children. We're taking them and exposing them to very deviant and perverse things, such as here we had drag your kids to a pride event in a men's gay bar, having children watch drag queens. The attorney general of the state of Michigan said that every school should have a drag queen. Drag queen story hour. We're giving our kids puberty blockers, hormonal therapies, and telling them that God did not get it right. You can choose to be whatever gender that you want. And many of our children suffer from suicides because this was something forced upon them. There are those that say that this whole thing about the Roe v. Wade overturned decision is racist. Well, the biggest racist that I think has done the most damage to the black community since 1973 is a woman by the name of Margaret Sanger, who was an avowed racist, white supremacist, spoke at Klan rallies referred to blacks as undesirables and weeds. And some 65 to maybe a little over 70% of Planned Parenthood clinics are located in inner-city communities. The second largest facility for murdering unborn babies in the womb, second largest facility in the world, folks, not in the United States, second largest facility in the world, is located on the south side of Houston, Texas. Big old building, Planned Parenthood on the top of it, black neighborhood. So all of these rantings and ravings from the left, and why are they so taken to the streets? This Jane's Revenge group that says if abortions are not safe. So in other words, if we're not allowed to murder babies in the womb, then you're not safe. Firebombing pro-life crisis pregnancy centers, people just out there doing good, protecting life, going out and vandalizing churches, threats. Look at what just happened out in Arizona. 
Is that how the left thinks they're going to win this argument? I don't think so. The militant radicalism of this movement to murder unborn babies has gone too far. If you remember, the original thing was safe, legal, and rare. That's not where we are. The United States Supreme Court got it right in the main decision, 6-3, in the Coach Kennedy case decision, 6-3, in the Second Amendment decision, 6-3, and in the Dobbs case, 6-3. But the sad thing is that since 1973, over 60 million babies in the United States of America were murdered in the womb, sucked up, dismembered, chopped into pieces because we did not understand what is and what is not a constitutional right. We'll be right back. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Steadfast and Loyal podcast. And as I said, we want to talk about this Dobbs case, the case that overturned Roe v. Wade. And we want to understand what does that mean for the United States of America, especially now that the United States Supreme Court has said that this is a decision that is going to be pushed back down to the states, which is where it should be, and uh, and to the people to make that decision. So I couldn't think of anyone better to talk to. Our first guest tonight is Terry Schilling. And Terry Schilling is the president of Americans Principles Project. Terry is responsible for developing core coordinating and implementing APP strategy, messaging and grassroots activity at the state and federal level. As the son of a small business owner, Terry knows how to leverage limited resources to generate maximum results. He takes the same approach to politics, especially campaigns. In the past, Terry has worked in communications, development, grassroots and management positions with Representative Chris Smith, Republican of New Jersey, a strong pro-life advocate, Senator Sam Brownback, who also went on to become governor of Brownback there in Kansas. I know him well and various state and local candidates. Before joining APP, Terry managed his father's race for Congress in Illinois, a man that I had the honor to serve with. With Running in 2010 on a shoestring budget in a district that had been Democratic for nearly 30 years, Terry led the Bobby Schilling for Congress campaign to a 10-point victory. Terry, his son, is a graduate of Franciscan University of Steubenville and a proud father I have of five. Or is that updated now? <laughs> it's six now, Colonel. Yeah, see, you got to update this thing, man. You can't have Wikipedia or whatever doing your bio. <laughs> hey, it's great to be with you, and thanks so much. And And I want to tell you what an honor it was to serve with your dad there in Congress. And that was the last big wave that we saw that first midterm election uh, for Barack Obama, we saw 63 seats, you know, flip. So thank you for what you did in enabling your father to become a United States member of Congress. We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, I'm Kent Charnig, and I'm the founder of El Paso County, Colorado Progressive Veterans. Don't worry, we're not crazy tree huggers, but we do have an amazing podcast talking about nothing but the military and veterans. Please check us out, epccpv.org. 
Thank you. Talk to you soon. No, no, he he really looked up to you too. He was a no. huge fan of yours, and you guys were really good conservative warriors in that in that that amazing class of freshmen that really took back uh, Washington D.C. for the people. Well, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, obviously. And with this American Principles Project, and you have done some great work here in Texas already, talking about the child gender modification issue, but. Kind of give us an orientation about why you started APP and what do you think is the major focus going forward right now? Of course. So what we're building with American Principles Project is very simply an NRA-style organization for families. Mm -hmm. So in Washington, D.C., there's a big pharma, big oil, big tobacco, big tech, but there hasn't been a big family. And we wanted to make the family the most powerful and important special interest group. What we do is we elect good guys who are going to support the family, be pro-life, protect our kids in school from the broader culture, and unelect the bad guys that are killing us. It's a very simple concept that's been successful for every other industry in the, in the country and in the world. And we're just using that same uh, tactic and, and strategy to do the same thing for families. And I think that once we start turning things around for the American family – America's days, brightest days are going to be way ahead of us. Um, I absolutely agree. Closer. Absolutely agree because what you see happening right now is an assault on the family. You know, you know, my story, I was born in the inner city of Atlanta, Georgia in 1961. And back then, the two-parent household in the black community was somewhere between 75 and 77 percent. And you know what it is today. It's like 24 percent. They have decimated the, t- the traditional nuclear family. And coming out of COVID and what they did in our schools and how they tried to demonize parents for, you know, showing up at school board meetings, I can't think of a better time to have an organization like you. What are some of the initiatives that you're trying to do at the grassroots level to strengthen families in the United States? Well, it's very simple. We want to protect children first and foremost from this transgender ideology and this radical, creepy sex ed stuff that's in all of our public schools today. Um, the, The amount of transgender kids that have come out has increased by over 2,000% in just the last five years. That's exponential in terms of of growth. Um, It's absolutely insane. But we also want to protect our kids from critical race theory, being taught that the color of your skin matters. We're pro-life. We want to protect the the, the unborn babies, the pre-born babies that are so important to the future of this country. We want to make it easier to get married, have babies, and protect our kids because that's the future of this country. When you get people getting married again and sticking together, you, you know, Colonel West, you mentioned some statistics about the black community now. One in every four American kids today is raised in a home without a father. Mm. That's absolutely tragic and devastating, not just for social reasons, right? So socially, this is all, you know, it's it's time tested and it's predictable. Kids that are raised without fathers in the home are two times more likely to be obese. They're two times or four times more likely to be poverty stricken. And they're seven times more likely to have a child in their teens. It's an absolute nightmare. And I haven't even, you know, gotten into the the really nasty statistics about crime and, um, and suicides. Um, it's terrible. And that's 18 million kids in this country, one out of every four. It's, it's terrible. But the, the bigger thing, that that makes this systemic and it turns it into something completely dysfunctional is that those 18 million kids are going to grow up and they're going to be voters and they're going to start their own dysfunctional family someday. And hopefully they can break that cycle because if we don't break that cycle and get fathers back in the home, we're going to have a socialist country. We're going to lose our free nation. That's what Ben Franklin and our founders were worried about when they said a republic, if you can keep it. 
Now, you're absolutely right. And what I see happening is that, you know, the policies of government has really put this on a fast pace. And it, it almost appears, and I said this in my opening monologue, that the progressive socialist left is having a war on our children, unborn and born. And when you look at this recent decision that came out from the Supreme Court, a constitutional Supreme Court, a constitutional decision, and the reaction of the left, I mean, we will defy the Supreme Court and, you know, pack the Supreme Court, assassinate justices, this James Revenge that is out there. How does APP and how does the constitutional conservative base stand and fight against this? Because I don't want to see us dancing in the end zone. We've got to stay even more vigilant and resolute right now. Well, we've got to go on offense. And right now, APP's big plan is to spend $12 million in the midterms unelecting pro-abortion and anti-family politicians and replacing them, placing them with good pro-family, pro-life politicians that are going to pass laws that protect our families, get gender ideology out of school, get critical race theory out of school, and yes, protect the unborn. We're going to do a state-by-state strategy. We're going to do a federal strategy. We're doing an all of the above. You know, one of the things that's been a misconception is a lot of people want to focus on the local level. And I want to say that that's really, really important. But what we've found in our research is that so many of our problems are actually coming from the federal government, from these federal agencies giving out what's known as federal grant agreements, Mm -hmm. where they tie strings to the federal dollars that these schools rely on in order to get them to change their school policies. Just like Joe Biden is doing with the lunch program, you know, for, you know, if you don't allow the gender dysphoria into the schools, we're going to restrict lunch money. That's sick. That's, That's the most concrete and most recent example of how these federal grant agreements are being perverted to do really bad things to our kids. How absurd is it to to starve poor and needy kids Mm -hmm. of their lunches that they can't afford just because you want to confuse young children about gender? You want to teach little kids that men can have babies. You want to put boys into girls' sports, boys into girls' locker rooms, into their showers. You want to violate women's private spaces. You're going to starve poor kids for that? This is the type of egregious overstep that this Democratic Congress and this Democratic regime is inflicting onto the American people. And our goal at American Principles Project is to spend that $12 million and to make them pay a price for their extremism. Now, I got to tell you that what I'm hearing you talk about, and a lot of people say these are social conservative issues, but I think these social conservative issues are so important because it's about our principles and values, our fundamentals. The Republican Party, many in that structure will say that we can't win talking about the social conservative issues. And that I've had so many interviews where people have said, now the Democrats have an issue to run on. Do you really think that an issue of murdering unborn babies by means of sucking them up and dismembering them into the womb all the way up until the day that they're born. And some people are talking about even killing babies after they're born. Do you really think that's a winning issue for the left? No, and and I don't think they do either. I think that these people have a losing mindset. I think that, you know, listen, these are the same people that tell us that the winning issues, as we saw with Paul Ryan, the winning issues are to cut Medicare, to cut Social Security, to cut these programs that people rely on to go to school and they, they want to cut the education budget, right? These people, at the same time, they don't want us to talk about opposing the killing of babies 
And, and, and by the way, most Planned Parenthoods are in poor black neighborhoods. Yes. They don't want us to talk about that. They don't want to talk. To, they don't want us talking about stopping them from grooming children in school about gender and radical sex, sex ed ideas. They want us to talk about cutting the. It's almost like they want us to lose, Colonel. And it's just it's absolutely maddening to me. Every single public poll I've seen. They might say they don't want to see Roe v. Wade overturned, but guess what? When you ask them if we should vote to protect unborn babies that have a heartbeat, the vast majority of Americans are behind us. Uh, Americans are so pro-life, they don't even know it. Most people, when they say they're pro-choice, they'll say something like, I don't really like abortion. I would never get an abortion. I don't want my kids to get an abortion. But... And they make exceptions. Most people support an abortion within the first few weeks. After that, it's all against the, the popular opinion. The vast majority of Americans are good, and they don't support killing babies. And if we really want to win campaigns and elections, we should talk a lot more about it. Are you finding an open door to speak with, you know, Leader Kevin McCarthy or some of the people over in the United States Senate or in these states to help them craft messaging? Because one of the things I think for Republicans, they're the worst marketing and communications firm I've ever seen in my life. Well, I think one of the biggest deficits that Republicans have had over the past few decades is a, is a failure to actually deliver on their campaign promises, right? We've talked a really good game about overturning Roe. We've talked a good game about ending abortion. We've talked a good game about defending the family, but we never come through. We never actually deliver. And what we're seeing right now, you know, I was telling a friend of mine, they asked me what the difference between your and my dad's class was um, versus this class. And I said, you know what, my dad's class was very hopeful and optimistic, and they went in there wanting to change the world. And this class that's coming in the, in 2022 is cynical, and they're determined. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not going to get you know, fooled. They're not going to get misled by leadership like the other guys were. And I'll tell you, I've seen so many hopeful things. You've got J.D. Vance mm-hmm. running for Senate in Ohio. He's the nominee. Blake Masters, he's going to win. These guys have signed what APP's big family pledge Right. And this is a pledge to end gender ideology in school and critical race theory in school, protect kids from gender transitions and to ban men from competing in girls sports. So this is, um, you know, and not only that, but Jim Banks, Congressman Jim Banks from the Republican Study mm-hmm. Committee has already unveiled a massive pro family agenda for Republicans once they take back power um, after these midterms. So I'm very I'm very optimistic, but I'm also cynical and we're going to be determined and we're going to actually get this done because that's what the American people want. They no. You're you're absolutely right, and uh, your your father and I we ran into the, into that brick wall that said, okay, you got us a majority, and now sit over here in the in the corner, and we'll tell you how things are done. And I don't think that the status quo, uh, Republican or Democrat, is going to work anymore. I think that this is more so about American principles and values, constitutional conservatism, progressive socialism. So now that this decision has been pushed back down to the down to the states. Uh, you talked about this pledge, and I was honored to sign the APP pledge when I was running for governor here in Texas. What are some of the other things you're going to try to do at the state level as uh, these decisions are, are being made at the state level now? Well, we've gotten we've seen incredible success with banning men from women's sports. Just a year and a half ago, we only had one state that had actually voted to protect women's sports. Now we're up to 18. So we're seeing the states all get on board with protecting women's sports, but we've got to go further than that. And we've got to start banning these transgender surgeries and hormone treatments for kids that are causing irreversible harm to them. 
On top of that, we got to keep passing pro-life laws, right? We have 26 states that either have trigger laws or laws, pro-life laws that were never repealed after Roe v. Wade. We've got to ensure that these laws are enforced and that we keep moving the ball forward. We need to make abortion unthinkable in this country. We need to treat it like all those other peculiar institutions that this country has gone through and put it in the ash heap of history. Um, it's that bad. But we also have to get critical race theory out of schools. Mm -hmm. We have to ban the funding of these programs, right, through Congress. We have the Tom Cotton Amendment. His legislation would ban funding for any any federal uh, spending on diversity, education, or inclusion and equity programs, which is where critical race theory is all mm -hmm. being pushed. Uh, but we, we've got a long ways to go, both at the state and the federal level. But at least we're starting in the right direction. I do believe that we're entering into a post road generation when I see all these young people. Terry, where can people follow all the great work of the American Principles Project and, you know, get on board with what you're doing and also join your grassroots movement? Uh, it's very simple. Just go to savethefamily.app, savethefamily.app. Or if you want to follow me on social media, it's just Schilling, S-C-H-I-L-L-I-N-G, 1776, across all the platforms, True Social, Getter, uh, Twitter, everything. Well, thank you so much for all you do. And I want to wish you and your incredible family a very happy 246th Independence Day. So God bless you, Terry. And thanks for all that the Schilling family has done in service to this great nation. Thank you, Colonel. You're a hero to us, too. Oh, you're too kind. Take care, brother. Thank you. You too. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for joining us on this episode of the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. You know, our mission here is to make sure that we better inform you, educate you, and activate you on these critical issues that we see come facing us here in the United States of America right now. And if you like this podcast, please share it and please hit that like button because we want to make sure that this message is getting out. Thanks so much to producer Chad, executive producer Lisa, and my dear buddy, CW3 Ryan Weaver for our theme song. Have a great night. Before they burn it down